Hello and welcome to the Ditch the Diet podcast. My name is Kerry Williams and this week we are talking about why you're not losing weight part two and in this episode I'm following up from last week where we spoke about some of the foods that we're eating and how they're affecting our hormones and how that um, adds to us not losing weight. So this week we're really covering the emotional side of things. Why do we get those cravings that we get and why is it that we respond and we keep doing the habits that we do when we know that they don't serve us and yet sometimes it feels like it's really difficult to stop those those desires and those food cravings that we get and actually not responding to them. So getting a handle on how much you're eating can really feel like a massive goal and a massive task that can seem quite impossible. Deep down, you may want to know that you really need to do this to create that positive change that will really help you to lose weight for the last time. If you're thinking that, I can really identify because I thought this too. When I was at my worst... And I would go through storm eating phases where you just kind of go into a rampage of binge eating. Sometimes I'd eat, you know, two big chocolate bars in one sitting and then go on to crackers and cheese and crisps in there if they were in the house. You know, that was when I was at my worst and I'd totally go into a binge eating mode. Or there might be some nights when I just had a really uh, bad habit of just sitting in front of the TV, decompressing after a busy day, and I'd get a bowl of popcorn or I'd get chocolate, so it depends on whether I was having a salt craving or a sweet craving, and I would literally just eat while I was watching my favorite TV show, which I was binging on as well, by the way, so that was yet another thing I was doing that wasn't really serving me. Or sometimes I'd even be secret eating the chocolate that I just bought from the shop and I'd be on my way home walking and I couldn't resist it. And the thing is, I knew that these things that I kept doing were not serving me. I knew that my eating was out of balance. Even if for lunch and dinner and breakfast I ate really good, healthy meals, I knew that these patterns in particular really weren't serving me and my eating was out of balance. So that's a really extreme example that I was giving you when I was at my worst. But, you know, as I kind of went through different phases of going on diets, those patterns still popped up. I may not have eaten two big chocolate bars in one sitting and then got the crackers and the crisps and the cheese, but I knew that that pattern was still there and I was still responding to it. And I used to think things like, gosh, I wish I just didn't like chocolate. I used to blame my parents. Like, why did they feed me chocolate as a child? And I just got this addiction to chocolate. So I'd always be wishing uh, that I didn't even like the stuff. You know, sometimes I'd meet people and they'd tell me, that they didn't really like chocolate or, you know, it's all right, I could take it or leave it. And I just think, oh, God, I wish that was me. How is it that they can be like that around chocolate? I just did not understand what was wrong with me. And it just seemed like such a huge and impossible goal and task to get on top of this. I really didn't think it was possible. I just thought that it was me, you know, that this was a part of me. And you know, this can play out in other areas for people as well. So for those of us who are yo-yo dieters, for those of us that identify as or, or even recognize that we might be emotional eaters, 
this can play out in other areas for people as well. So other people may play out very similar patterns, but they might choose to drink wine or beer. They might choose to smoke cigarettes or spend more money than they have or more money than they want to. Um, you know, so these are very similar patterns. And I believe that they're all symptoms of the same underlying problem. So what's really going on? Because we know that willpower and deprivation can work temporarily. But as yo-yo dieters, and if you identify with that as well, we know that this doesn't work in the long term. Because if it did, we wouldn't be here today still looking to lose weight for the last time. You know, we've tried that approach usually many, many times before, where we've adopted a new action, we've adopted a new way of eating, but we're still coming from that same mindset. And, you know, despite the feelings of cravings, we're, we're still pushing through that and trying not to take action on that. But inside that resistance can really build up and it can really leave us feeling unhappy with that choice, which is usually why these diets don't work. We just fall off the wagon, as we often describe it, um, and go back to some of our old patterns of behavior. You know, we keep telling ourselves that we can't have what we want despite that desire being there, and it's just exhausting. So we know that that willpower and exhaustion uh, and Willpower and deprivation just don't work in the long term. White knuckling it through some of our biggest urges just don't really work, unfortunately, in the long term. We also might feel like we're missing out as well. Uh, so sometimes when we go to restaurants and people are having a nice meal around us or they're enjoying cake at a birthday party, you know, it might be that we feel like we're missing out. I used to see people going out to dinner or seeing people eating cake at, at a party or something like that. And I just wonder, how can they limit their eating in these situations? How can it be that other people don't have these desires and urges to overeat like I do? What What is going on? So my craving and the desire for food just felt like a part of me. And it often... Um, felt like it was coming over me in just this wave that I had no control over. So either it would just be a part of me and it was a bit of a habit, so it would come up at certain times of the day, or the trigger would be being out and about and seeing nice food, being at the restaurant, seeing people have nice meals, getting a bit of FOMO, feeling like I was missing out, feeling like I wanted that, and just not understanding why other people could eat in balance and I just couldn't eat that. And, you know, when I was thinking that this was a part of me and I had no control over it and I just didn't understand how it would wash over me and I had no control over it and I knew that resistance was making it harder and harder and it was making me very unhappy and tired, it was, it was just not working. And the good news is that this isn't true. When I started to understand that um, our desire is not just part of us that we need to learn to live with. It is not part of us that we need to try and push and resist and use willpower to stop ourselves from having. It helped me to understand that there is another way that we can decondition that desire that we've learned over time. And that really is the key that we have learned these behaviors over time. So they're not just these mysterious waves that come over us. It's not that you see something or it's a time of day that's a trigger that kicks in. It's not because we feel an emotion um, that we have to respond in that way and eat because this has just been something that we've learned over time. And when we understand 
the think-feel-act cycle of human behavior, it really helps us to understand why are we responding to these triggers like we see something, then we want it, or it's a time of day and suddenly there's this massive urge. This is all coming down to the think-feel-act cycle of human behavior. So when you understand that, it helps you to get a grip of actually what's going on inside your brain. And this was really groundbreaking for me. When I, as I mentioned in part one of this podcast, when I really understood what was going on hormonally in my body and I started to experiment and learn what foods helped to put me in fat-burning mode and then to keep me maintaining my weight, that was key on the physical level. And this think-feel-act cycle from the human behavior side of things was the other key component that really helped me to lose weight for the last time and keep it off. So this is how it goes with a think-feel-act cycle. Our thoughts create our feelings and these feelings that are created by a thought will then drive us to take action. So the framework simply uh, teaches us that all of our actions in any area of our life are driven by a feeling. They are driven by an emotion. It might be that that emotion we are reacting to and then we take action in a particular way. Say, for instance, when we feel angry, we might yell and shout at someone or we might retreat and go away and you know think over things a lot. That's one example of a feeling inspiring an action. Or it may be that we feel a certain way and then we try and avoid that feeling because we don't like that feeling. So then it inspires us to take action in a different way so that we don't have to feel that feeling. And that can sometimes be something we see with emotional overeating where perhaps there might be a feeling of, let's just say, for example, loneliness, sadness, We don't like always feeling like that. And so instead of feeling that feeling and understanding what's going on in that moment, it can lead to a pattern of avoiding that by eating foods that really hit our pleasure centers in our brain. They give us a boost of the pleasure hall, um, neurotransmitters, dopamine, gives us a real boost, makes us feel better. So we don't have to stay in that place of feeling lonely or sad at that time. So it sounds simple, doesn't it? But the thing is, when I first learned about this concept, I didn't really believe it because it can be such an automatic response. And that's why I thought this was just part of me. You know, sometimes I find myself sitting on the couch, eating chocolate, and suddenly I'd look down and most of it's gone. So I'd feel A, disappointed that I maybe only had two pieces left. And B, I was thinking, how the hell did that just happen? How did I just go through a whole block of chocolate? And because of that automatic response that I had done so many times, it had become unconscious, it felt like it was a part of me. It did not really feel like it was driven by a thought. So I didn't really believe this at first. See, the thing is, our brain is such an amazing organ in our body. It is such an amazing piece of machinery in a way. If we practice something enough times, it becomes a habit, it becomes unconscious, and we can relate that to how if you've ever learned to ride a bike, you you can perhaps relate that or even learning to drive, how at first you've got to really think quite hard about all the moving parts. You have to think about the steering, make sure that you don't crash into anything. You have to think about the pedaling, am I going too fast, do I need to go faster, Think about the brakes. Am I doing the front brakes or the back brakes? You know, while I'm steering, am I going to crash into anything? 
you got to look out for the road as well. So there's all these different things going on at the same time. And at first it feels hard to learn, but over time this becomes very unconscious and these habits form in our brain and it becomes a new skill. So all of these actions become really unconscious. So if you've ever had the experience of jumping on a bike or jumping in a car after a long time when you haven't driven or rode for a long time and it just comes back. You might feel a bit nervous at first, but it just comes back because it's still there in the unconscious mind. And this is the same for our habits with eating. You know, we've, we've, um, a long time ago, we may have had more of a conscious response around some of these things, but it's become so practiced and automatic over time that we've got this really strong neural pathway and it's unconscious. We just don't even need to think about it anymore. So can you relate? It might be, here's an example, when it comes to eating and weight loss, when you're feeling tired, you might crave carbs to feel like you want a boost because your brain has learned over time that when you eat those carbs, you get the pleasure response in your brain that tells you that that feels great and it's really good for survival. But also it might give you a little bit of a boost uh, energetically on a physical level as well. It might be short-lived But we've learned over time that eating carbs can give us a boost. So it may be something that you don't even feel, uh, don't even notice when you're feeling tired. You just automatically go for eating more carbs. Or uh, this is a really common one for for women who are still menstruating. So when you're feeling emotional and premenstrual, how often do you eat chocolate? Do you have much of a conscious response around eating chocolate? I know when I was at my worst with my chocolate addiction, I definitely did a lot of that unconsciously. If it was in the house, suddenly I'd just find myself in the cupboard and then it was all gone. What about the dip that a lot of people get? So late afternoon, between 3 and 5 p.m., kind of after lunch, maybe you're craving some coffee or tea, wanting a bit of a biscuit or a little bit of a cake or something like that as a bit of a pick-me-up. So that kind of late afternoon can become a habit. Some people, if they're working and they're coming home, they might drive home and go through a drive-through restaurant, drive-through takeaway, or if they're on public transport, they might get off, um, you know, get off the train and get off the bus, pop into the shop and get a bottle of wine, get some crisps, get some chocolate to have later at home. These things can become really ingrained habits over time. Um, Friday night is a really common one. You deserve a treat after a long week. Getting out the wine, maybe getting out some snacks to have with a couple of drinks. So there's these things, because we've practiced them over such a long time, have often become such a habit, it's really, really unconscious and we don't even recognize what's going on in our brain around taking these actions. So the same thing can happen with emotional eating. I've given you some examples of when we might have an ingrained habit over time for quite often uh, a kind of time or an external trigger. But what about when we get an emotion in a certain situation? It might be that we feel stress, we feel anxiety, we feel angry. So for some of us, that can drive us to overeating or snacking or a full-on binge. So the biggest thing here is to recognize is that your desire is learned over time. It's been conditioned. And just like you've learned this over time, you have the power to unlearn it too. So this is the invitation that I'm giving to you on this podcast. It is the invitation to start unlearning this unconscious behavior over time and actually break down what's happening in your mind. See what's happening in your brain. Bring these thoughts back up from the unconscious mind so that you can shine a light on them and really understand why these things are happening. 
So how do you do this? Well, as I say, we need to bring these thoughts back up from the unconscious mind, bringing some awareness to these patterns so we can discover what's really going on. So the the thing to do is when you feel that desire, when you feel that food craving, that urge, uh, you pause. This is the point where you stop. You delay the reward. You don't eat the chocolate. You don't eat the cheese. If you're eating a meal and you're feeling satisfied, you stop, even though you might have that craving to finish the meal, but you know you're not hungry anymore. Stop. This might feel hard at first because it is so automatic. And actually, to be honest, you might be saying to yourself, but I quite often don't even know I'm doing this. So how on earth am I going to pause and stop if I don't even consciously have that recognition that this is happening? Now, the thing is, once you start focusing on this, you will start to find over time that you bring in more and more awareness and more of a pause can be created over time. Even if it is that after the fact, after you've eaten the chocolate, you think, wow, that was really unconscious. You've just given awareness to that behavior taking place. And next time it happens, there's a greater chance that more space has been created and eventually you will be able to bring enough awareness in to stop at that point in time. And what you're aiming to do is the 30-minute pause. So you're stopping and you feel the desire and you go within and just notice what's happening. So you can maybe set a timer on your phone at that point So you might notice when this happens that you have a strong urge to do something else. And as I mentioned before, quite often our our behaviors are driven because we're trying to avoid feeling an unpleasant feeling. So just notice as well, if your brain is saying to you, oh, well, you better go and get this chore done around the house, go and do this task at work, get outside and go for a walk, go for a run. Notice that urge to distract yourself as well, because that, as I mentioned before, is a symptom of the same pattern. It's an avoidance of some kind of emotion. Now, that feeling might be something very uh, significant, very big in your life, like loneliness, uh, like grief, like sadness, but it can also be something quite mundane. You know, when I was really consciously going through this, I just did not recognize at first how much restlessness I felt, how my desire to drink coffee or go for a snack in the afternoon was driven by restlessness. So you might actually find that some of these feelings are relatively mundane and yet your body or sorry, your brain will be telling you to go and make yourself busy, avoid this feeling. You don't want to feel restless. So just notice it might be something that is a bigger emotion for you that feels more unpleasant, or it might be something that you're just feeling a bit restless, feeling a bit agitated, feeling a bit bored, feeling like you want to procrastinate. So notice all of these thoughts. Notice that your brain doesn't want to feel this discomfort. Your primitive brain will start kicking in. Your primitive brain is going into survival mode and will associate these feelings with danger as if you're out on the savannah and you've just seen a lion and quick, you better go and hide. But in our modern day and age, these feelings are not associated with danger. These feelings do not need to be avoided with food. So the art and the practice here is to stay with it. 
watch those thoughts surface, write them down if you can, be present and really start to understand why you're taking these actions. So when these thoughts start to come up to the conscious mind, you can then start to get a grip on what's really happening in your life. So I hope that helps. Um, this is, as I say, the second part of uh, the two-part series series on uh, why why you're not losing weight. And I've just shared with you the two big things for me that really made a big transformation in terms of me losing weight for the last time and being able to maintain that. So if you like what we've discussed today on this podcast, and if you like any of the tools that I've shared on this podcast, then I invite you to come over to my website and you can sign up to get weekly updates for the podcast as well by email. So uh, the website is kerrydwilliams.com and that is spelled K-E-R-I-D-Williams.com, all one word. Um, So kerrydwilliams.com. And uh, you can sign up for the weekly podcast and you can also comment on this uh, podcast episode as well. So I always love to hear from people. I love to hear what's going on, what insights you might have had. And also, if you've got experience on this journey, I'd love to hear what's worked for you so that I can share that with other people and start to help this community of yo-yo dieters to get a grip on, on losing weight for the last time. So I hope you've enjoyed that. And I look forward to speaking to you next week about another topic. Bye for now.